A 2006 study by business school professors Roger Edeland, Richard Evans, and Gregory Cadlec found that U.S. stock mutual funds average 1.44% in transaction costs per year. This means that these transaction costs are perhaps the most expensive component of owning a mutual fund, but the industry has deemed it too tough to quantify, and thus it goes unreported in the brochures. 3. Tax Costs, or 401k, Costs Many people are excited about the tax-deferred treatment of their 401k, but for most employees, the tax cost has been swapped out with plan administrative fees. These are charged in addition to the fees paid to the underlying mutual funds, and according to the nonpartisan GAO, Government Accountability Office, the average plan administrator charges 1.13% per year. If you own a mutual fund in a taxable account, the average tax cost is between 1% and 1.2% annually, according to Morningstar. 4. Soft Dollar Costs Soft dollar trading is a quid pro quo arrangement whereby mutual fund managers choose to pay inflated trading costs so that the outside firm executing their trades will then rebate the additional cost back to the fund manager. It's a rewards program for using a particular vendor. The Frequent Flyer Miles of Wall Street The fund manager can use these funds to pay for certain expenses such as research and reports. These are costs the fund manager would otherwise have to pay, so the net result is that you and I pay. These are simply well-disguised increases in management revenue that hit the bottom line. They're unreported and nearly impossible to quantify, so we aren't able to include them in our equation below, but make no mistake, it's a cost. 5. Cash Drag Mutual fund managers must maintain a cash position to provide daily liquidity and satisfy any redemptions, selling. Since cash is not invested, it doesn't generate a return and thus hurts performance. According to a study titled Dealing with the Active, authored by William O'Reilly, CFA, and Michael Prizano, CFA, the average cost from cash drag on large-cap stock mutual funds over a 10-year time horizon was 0.83% per year. It may not be a direct fee, but it's a cost that takes away from your performance. 6. Redemption Fee If you want to sell your fund position, you may pay a redemption fee. This fee is paid to the fund company directly and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission SEC, limits the redemption fee to 2%. Like the world's most expensive ATM, it could cost you $2,000 to get back your $100,000. 7. Exchange fee. Some funds charge a fee to move or exchange from one fund to another within the same family of funds. 8. Account fee. Some funds charge a maintenance fee just to have an account. 9. Purchase fee. A purchase fee, not to be confused with a front-end sales load, commission, is a charge to purchase the fund that goes directly to the fund company. 10. Sales charge, load, or deferred sales charge. This charge, typically paid to a broker, either comes out when you purchase the fund, so a smaller amount of your initial deposit is used to buy shares in the fund, or you pay the charge when you exit the fund and redeem your shares. Chapter 2.3 Myth 3, Our Returns? What you see is what you get. Surprise, the returns reported by mutual funds aren't actually earned by investors. Jack Bogle, most people are familiar with the boilerplate disclaimer that past performance doesn't guarantee future results. Far fewer are aware of how past performance numbers themselves can be misleading. How funds massage numbers, legally. Lipstick on a pig. In 2002 Charles Schwab ran a clever TV ad where a typical Wall Street sales manager is giving a morning pep talk to his boiler room. Tell your clients it's red hot. En fuego. Fuego. Just don't mention the fundamentals they stink. He wraps up his morning sermon by dangling courtside tickets to the Knicks for the winning salesman and gives his final send-off. Let's put some lipstick on this pig. Get my good side. In 1954 Daryl Huff authored a book entitled How to Lie with Statistics. He points to the countless number of dodges which are used to fool rather than to inform. 
Today the mutual fund industry has been able to use a tricky method to calculate and publish returns that are, as Jack Bogle says, not actually earned by the investors. But before we explain this masterful sleight of pencil magic, let's first understand the illusion of average returns. Below is a chart showing a hypothetical market that is up and down like a roller coaster. Up 50%, down 50%, up 50%, and down 50%. This produces an average return of 0%. And like you, I would expect that a 0% return would mean that I didn't lose any money. And we would both be wrong. As you can see by the chart, if you start with an actual dollar amount, let's use $100,000, at the end of the 4-year period, you are actually down $43,750, or 43.75%. You thought you were even, but instead you're down 43.75%. Would you ever have guessed this? Now that you're an insider, beware. Average returns have a built-in illusion, spinning a performance enhancement that doesn't exist. In a Fox Business article titled Solving the Myth of Rate of Return, Eric Crom explains how this discrepancy applies to the real world, another way to look at it is to review the Dow Jones since 1930. If you add up every number and divide it by 81 years, the return averages 6.31%, however, if you do the math, you get an actual return of 4.31%. Why is this so important? If you invested $1,000 back in 1930 at 6.31%, you would have $142,000, at 4.31% you would only have $30,000. The scales are weighted. Now that we we see that average returns aren't a true representation of what we earn, sit back and relax, because the grand illusion isn't over yet. The math magicians on Wall Street have managed to calculate their returns to look even better. How so? In short, when the mutual fund advertises a specific return, it's not, as Jack Bogle says, the return you actually earn. Why? Because the returns you see in the brochure are known as time-weighted returns. Sounds complicated, but it's not. However, feel free to use that to look brilliant at your next cocktail party. The mutual fund manager says if we have $1 at the beginning of the year and $1.20 at the end of the year, we are up 20%. Fire up the marketing department and take out those full-page ads. But in reality, investors rarely have all their money in the fund at the beginning of the year. We typically make contributions throughout the year that is, out of every paycheck into our 401k. And if we contribute more during times of the year when the fund is performing well, a common theme, we learned, as investors chase performance, and less during times when it's not performing, we are going to have a much different return from what is advertised. So if we were to sit down at the end of the year, and take into account the real world of making ongoing contributions and withdrawals, we would find out how much we really made or lost. And this real-world approach is called the dollar-weighted return. Dollar-weighted returns are what we actually get to keep whereas time-weighted returns are what fund managers use to fuel advertising. Jack Bogle has been a continual proponent of changing this rule. He believes that investors should see how much they actually earned or lost based on their own personal situation, contributions, and withdrawals included. Sounds like common sense, right? But it's no surprise why mutual funds are resistant. Bogle says, we've compared returns earned by mutual fund investors dollar-weighted returns with the returns earned by the fund themselves, or time-weighted returns, and the investors seem to lag the fund themselves by 3% per year. Wow. So if the fund advertises a 6% return, its investors achieved closer to 3%. The truth and the solution. Average ret returns are like profile photos for online dating. They paint a better portrait than the reality. If you know the amount you started with in your investment and you know how much you have now, you can go to a website such as MoneyChimp and it will show you exactly what the actual return is on your money over that period of time. You must also remember that the returns reported by mutual funds are based on a theoretical person who invested all his money on day one. This just isn't true for most so we can't delude ourselves into believing that the glossy brochure returns are the same as what we have actually received in our account. 
The path is clear. Nobody said climbing a mountain would be easy. But it's a heck of a lot easier when you have a machete called truth to hack away the lies and grant a clear view of the path ahead. As an insider, you are no longer flying blind. You now know that stock-picking mutual funds don't beat the market over any sustained period, especially after you account for fees and taxes. You also know that fees do matter. And that by lowering your fees, you can get back as much as 60% to 70% of your future potential nest egg. How will this awesome truth impact your future? And finally, you know that average returns don't paint the real picture. Actual returns matter. And you now have the simple tools to calculate them. Your journey to financial freedom has more than begun. You are hitting your stride, and the truths you have learned so far will separate you from being one of the sheeple. Flying solo. As I have taught people these tools, I often notice that people feel as though they can no longer trust anyone. In a sense, they feel betrayed, as they become enlightened and start to understand the real rules of the game. They think they must now handle everything on their own and become an island unto themselves because nobody can be trusted. Trusted. This just isn't true. There are a number of incredible financial professionals who are full of integrity and committed to their clients' futures. I have an amazing advisor whom I trust implicitly to act in my best interests, and together we review and manage my investments. Like you, I am insanely busy and don't have the time or desire to spend my days managing the details of my portfolio. In reality, if done properly, a brief quarterly or twice-a-year review is all that is needed to go over your objectives and rebalance the portfolio. So how do you know the difference between a salesman and a trusted advisor? Between a broker and a guide? Myth 4 will help us quickly determine if the person on the other side of the desk is working for you or the name on their company's letterhead. As Deep Throat from the Watergate scandal said, follow the money. Always follow the money. Chapter 2.4 Myth 4, I'm your broker and I'm here to help. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. Upton Sinclair Let me get this straight. So let us recap, the mutual funds sold to me are charging me astronomical fees that could strip me of up to 70% of my future nest egg. Over any sustained period of time, 96% of actively managed mutual funds are underperforming the market or their benchmarks. I am being charged 10 to 30 times what it would cost me to own a low-cost index fund and become or mimic the market. The returns the mutual funds are selling are typically way better than the returns I actually receive since they are marketed as time-weighted returns, not dollar-weighted returns. Dollar-weighted returns are what we actually get to keep slash spend whereas time-weighted returns are what fund managers use to fuel advertising. And as the grand finale, your broker will look you in the eye and tell you that he has your best interests at heart. Because more than likely, he sincerely believes he is helping you. He doesn't understand, nor has he even been educated about the impact of what we described above. Heck, he is probably following the same advice he is giving you for his own personal finances. Chomp chomp. How in the world can the vast majority of Americans be dying the death of a thousand cuts, but not rise up, vote with their pocketbooks, and take their hard-earned money elsewhere? The answer is, they've been kept in the dark for decades. Most people I talk to are highly suspicious of the financial services industry as a whole and its desire to help you succeed. They've been burned before. Yet in the face of a constant barrage of conflicting information and marketing hype, they quickly become overwhelmed. Not to mention the demands of daily life. Many have put their financial lives on autopilot and have accepted being part of the herd. Hope has become their strategy. There's a social comfort in knowing that you're not alone. It reminds me of watching the Discovery Channel and the wildebeest that cautiously approaches the crocodile-infested water for a drink just minutes after the jaws of a croc clamp down on his buddy. Is the animal stupid? No. The animal knows that without water it will die in the blistering African sun, so it takes a calculated risk. Most of us feel the same way. 
We know we can't sit on the sidelines, on the edge of the riverbank, because inflation will destroy us if we just sit on our cash. So, alongside our neighbors and colleagues, we journey down to the water with trepidation, and when we least expect it, chomp. A Black Monday. A dot-com bubble. Another 2008. All the while, the brokerage firm with which we entrusted our family's quality of life is taking no risk and reaping record compensation year after year. As I write this in early 2014, the market prices have continued to grow. From 2009 through the end of 2013, the market was up 131%, including dividend reinvestment. That's the fifth largest bull market in history. People are seeing their account balances rise and are getting comfortable again. Mutual fund managers managers and executives are raking it in. But the crocs are still feeding. Protection from whom? In late 2009 representatives Barney Frank and Chris Dodd submitted proposed regulation called the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. One year later, after intense lobbying by the financial services community, a version of the bill passed with far less teeth than the original. But nobody stopped to ask the obvious question, from whom or what exactly do we need protection? From the people we trust to manage our financial future? From the brokers who sell us expensive mutual funds? From the managers themselves, who play legal but shady games to line their pockets? From the high-frequency traders who are front-running the market and pinching millions one penny at a time? In the last couple years alone, we have seen rogue traders cause billions in losses for banks, large firms such as MF Global misappropriate client funds and ultimately declare bankruptcy, insider trading convictions from one of the world's largest hedge funds, and bank traders criminally prosecuted for rigging LIBOR, London Interbank offered rates, the world's most widely used benchmark for short-term interest rates. The chef doesn't eat his own cooking. We are continually sold and influenced by those who do as I say, not as I do. In a sobering 2009 study released by Morningstar, in tracking over 4,300 actively managed mutual funds, it was found that 49% of the managers own no shares in the fund they manage. That's right. The chef doesn't eat his own cooking. Of the remaining 51%, most own a token amount of their funds when compared with their compensation and total net worth. Remember, these guys earn millions, sometimes tens of millions, for their skills. 2,126 own no shares in the fund they manage. 159 managers had invested between $1 and $10,000 in their own fund. 393 managers invested between $10,000 and $1. $10,001 and $50,000. 285 managers invested between $50,001 and $100,000. 679 managers invested between $100,001 and $500,000. 197 managers invested between $500,001 and $999,999. ,999. 413 managers invested more than $1 million. So the obvious question is, if the people who manage the fund aren't investing in the fund they run, why in the world would I? Good question. The chef doesn't eat his own cooking if the ingredients are bad or if he knows what the kitchen really looks and smells like. These fund managers are smart they work under the hood. Where are the customers' yachts? Fred Schwed Jr. was a professional trader who quit Wall Street after losing a lot of his money in the crash of 1929. In 1940 he wrote the investment classic Where Are the Customers' Yachts, or A Good Hard Look at Wall Street. The joke behind the title has been retold many different ways over the years, but in Schwed's version, a successful Wall Street broker named William Travers is admiring the many beautiful yachts while on vacation in Newport, Rhode Island. Each yacht he inquires about happens to belong to a broker, banker, or trader. He asks, where are the customer's yachts? Nearly 75 years have passed since this story was first published, but it could have been written yesterday. Whom to trust? We have all seen numerous variations of the same commercial. The husband and wife, looking concerned, sit across the desk from their financial advisor.
And with the wisdom of a grandfather and the look of a man who has weathered many storms, the hired actor assures them that with his help, they will be just fine. Don't worry, we've got your back. We'll get your kids through college. We'll get you that sailboat. We'll get you that vacation home. The insinuation is loud and clear, your goals are our goals. We're here to help. Help. But the real question is, are your interests really aligned? Does the person with whom you trust to plan you and your family's future have every incentive to operate in your best interest? Most would think yes and most would be wrong. And the answer to this question may be the difference between failing or succeeding in your journey to financial freedom. When climbing the mountain, how would you feel if your guide was more concerned about his own survival than yours? As David Swenson reminded me, your broker is not your friend. The Suitability Standard And here is the truth, the financial services industry has many caring people of the highest integrity who truly want to do what's in the best interest of their clients. Unfortunately, many are operating in a closed-circuit environment in which the tools at their disposal are pre-engineered to be in the best interests of the house. The system is designed to reward them for selling, not for providing conflict-free advice. And the product or fund they sell you doesn't necessarily have to be the best available, or even in your best interest. By legal definition, all they have to do is provide you with a product that is suitable. What kind of standard is suitable? Do you want a suitable partner for life? Honey, how was it for you tonight? Ed, the sex was suitable. Are you going to be promoted for doing suitable work? Do you fly the airline with a suitable safety record? Or better yet, let's go to lunch here, I hear the food is suitable. Yet, according to David Karp, a registered investment advisor, the suitability standard essentially says, it doesn't matter who benefits more, the client or advisor. As long as an investment is suitable, meets the general direction of your goals and objectives, at the time it was placed for the client, the advisor is held free of liability. The Gold Standard To receive conflict-free advice, we must align ourselves with a fiduciary. A fiduciary is a legal standard adopted by a relatively small but growing segment of independent financial professionals who have abandoned their big-box firms, relinquished their broker status, and made the decision to become a registered investment advisor. These professionals get paid for financial advice and, by law, must remove any potential conflicts of interest or, at a minimum, disclose them and put the client's needs above their own. By way of example, if a registered investment advisor tells a client to buy IBM and later that day he buys IBM in his own personal account for a better price, he must give the client his stock at the lower price trade. Imagine having investment advice where you knew that the law protected you from your advisor steering you in a specific direction or to a specific fund to make more money off of you. One huge additional advantage? The fee you pay a fiduciary for advice may be tax deductible, depending on your tax bracket. So a 1% advisory fee could really be closer to 0.5% when you take into account the deduction. Contrast this with the 2% or more you pay to a mutual fund manager, none of which is tax deductible. Finding a fiduciary. If there is one single step you can take today to solidify your position as insider, it's to align yourself with a fiduciary, an independent registered investment advisor, RIA for short. Most people I ask don't know whether their investment guy slash gal is a broker or a legal fiduciary, but nearly everyone believes that his investment person should have his best interests at heart. And as I mentioned before, they typically do have his client's interests in mind, but they are operating within a framework that rewards them for selling. And, by the way, you'll never hear them referred to as brokers. They are called registered representatives, financial advisors, wealth advisors, vice president of this, that, or the other thing. In fact, the Wall Street Journal reported finding in excess of 200 different professional designations for financial advisors more than half of which are not tracked by the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, FINRA, which oversees how investments are pitched to investors. Many of these financial, financial service credentials are pure window dressing and do not impart a fiduciary duty. Not all advice is good advice. 
Aligning yourself with a fiduciary is, by all accounts, a great place to start. But this does not necessarily mean that the professional you select is going to provide good or even fairly priced advice. And like any industry, not all professionals have equal skill or experience. In fact, 46% of financial planners have no retirement plan. That's right. The cobbler's kid has no shoes. Over 2,400 financial planners were surveyed anonymously in a 2013 study by the Financial Planning Association, and close to half don't practice what they preach. Heck, I can't believe they admitted it. Truth is, we are living in uncharted territory. With endless complexity, central banks printing money like crazy, and even some governments defaulting on their own debt, only the elite advisors of the planning industry know how to navigate these waters. The Butcher and the Dietitian A good friend of mine recently forwarded me a YouTube video entitled The Butcher vs. The Dietitian, a two-minute cartoon that effectively and succinctly highlighted the major difference between a broker and a legal fiduciary. The video made the glaringly obvious point that when you walk into a butcher shop, you are always encouraged to buy meat. Ask a butcher what's for dinner, and the answer is always meat. But a dietitian, on the other hand, will advise you to eat what's best for your health. She has no interest in selling you meat if fish is better for you. Brokers are butchers, while fiduciaries are dietitians. They have no dog in the race to sell you a specific product or fund. This simple distinction gives you a position of power. Insiders know the difference. I did a little digging, and the man behind the video was Elliot Weisbluth, a former litigator who 15 years ago became incensed by the conflicts of interest in the investment industry and made it his mission to provide an alternative to the brightest and most successful advisors and independent firms. In other words, choosing independence should not mean a sacrifice in sophistication and access to the best solutions. His great idea caught fire, and Hightower is now one of the largest independent registered investment advisors in the country, with nearly $30 billion in assets and 13th on Inc. magazine's list of fastest-growing companies. The explosive growth of Hightower shows that clients want a dietitian. They are sick of being sold meat and then realizing that their health is in jeopardy. I interviewed Elliot for this book, and we have since developed a great friendship. I didn't have to twist Elliot's arm to leave frigid Chicago and join me for a day of 78-degree weather at my home in Palm Beach. An audacious proposal. Together we sat on my back lawn overlooking the ocean and had a long conversation about the myths being marketed and injustices being done to the average investor. Elliot has a unique passion, a fervency, to serve investors by eliminating the self-interest and inherent conflicts that have become the norm in big firms. From day one, he made the commitment to full disclosure, full transparency, and conflict-free advice in every aspect of the business. And by not accepting payments or kickbacks for selling a product or service, his firm stands in a position of true power and integrity. Firms compete to work with Hightower, and all of the benefits are passed down to the client. What's really powerful is how Elliot grew the business. First, he built a unique platform that no one thought was possible. Then he recruited the best corner office advisors from the biggest firms and gave them the path to the moral high ground the opportunity to quit working for the house and work only for the client. And by giving them the freedom not to have to serve two masters, they could do whatever was in the client's best interest, at all times, in all transactions. There was only one problem, Hightower was built to service only the wealthiest Americans. In fact, all of the top advisors in the industry are focused on the wealthy. Makes sense, right? If you manage money, you want to manage fewer clients who have more money. This arrangement maximizes your own profitability. Too many small accounts means lots of overhead and cost. Cost. It's just not an efficient way to do business. In spite of all that, I decided to drop a challenge on Elliot. Let's blaze a trail. Elliot, I want you to figure out a way to deliver the same fully transparent, conflict-free advice to anyone who wants the service, not just the wealthy. There has to be a way, Elliot, I said, leaning forward on the edge of my chair. 
You care so passionately about justice and fairness that your own mission calls you to do this for everyone. Elliot sat back in his chair. He expected a simple interview and was now being asked to deploy some serious resources. And perhaps more importantly, I challenged him to figure out how to deliver some of the solutions that are normally reserved for folks with ultra-high net worth. It was quite a challenge. To democratize the best investment advice coupled with the best available solutions. Oh and one more thing, Elliot, I think you should make a complimentary review service that is entirely free. People need to know how they are being treated. Elliot took a few deep breaths. Geez, Tony. I know you think big, but to gear up and make this available to everyone, at no charge? Come on. I just smiled and said, yes, crazy, isn't it? No one else is going to do this. Nobody is showing how people are overpaying for underperformance. My guess is that we could show them using technology. You have the resources and the will to make this happen if you commit yourself. I let the conversation end by simply asking him to take some time to think about the impact of what this could mean for people's lives, and to get back in touch once he had fully thought it through. It's doable. Elliot returned to Chicago and gathered his troops. After much deliberation and with a deep determination to find a way, Elliot called me back. After his team reviewed some patented technology we could utilize, he was convinced this could be a game-changer. But he had one request. He would want to partner with an extraordinary chief investment officer. Officer. One with decades of experience and the values to match. A captain of the ship not afraid of uncharted waters. I knew just the man. Ajay Gupta is the founder and chief investment officer of Stronghold Wealth Management, a firm that provides white glove service for those of ultra-high net worth. He is also my registered investment advisor and has been managing my family's money for over seven years. He spent almost two decades within the world's largest brokerage firms as the classic corner office success story. Ajay came to the proverbial fork in the road. His choice? Either leave the brokerage world behind and carry the fiduciary flag or continue to walk the line of trying to be a dietitian within the walls of a butcher shop. I asked Ajay what was the pivotal moment of decision. It came as a result of total frustration, he confessed. There were investments that I knew were best for my client, but the firm wouldn't allow me to access them because they weren't approved. I didn't want to steer my client to an inferior investment just so I could earn more. I treat my clients as my family, and I realized that no longer could I make choices by the constraints imposed by someone in a far-off ivory tower. AJ's commitment was not just in words. He gave up a seven-figure bonus to leave and start his own firm. Not surprisingly, his entire team and client base followed him. After years of extraordinary performance and service, AJ's departure from the brokerage world earned him the notice of Charles Schwab, a major service provider to independent investment advisors. He received a surprise call from the Charles Schwab headquarters letting him know that Chuck had selected him to represent the face of the more than 10,000 independent RIAs in Schwab's national media campaign. Subsequently, Ajay arranged for Chuck and me to meet, as he agreed to be one of the 50 financial moguls interviewed for this book. When I introduced Ajay and his team at Stronghold to Elliot, it was an incredible alignment of values. What was amazing was how the sum of the whole was drastically greater than its parts. They began a monumental collaborative effort. For nearly a year, Ajay and Elliot worked together with a common goal, to democratize the best investment advice and help Americans wake up to their right to, first, know what they have been sold and then make the switch to receive transparent advice. And Stronghold Financial, a new division of Stronghold Wealth Management, was born. So in addition to serving those of high net worth, Stronghold now serves everyone regardless of how much he or she has to invest. Look under the hood for free. My biggest ask from Ajay and Elliot was to make it possible for anyone, not just the wealthy, to be able to tap into top-tier advice, research, and planning. But I wanted them to do it for free. Most financial planners charge $1,000 or more to analyze your current investment assets, assess how much risk you're taking, quantify your true fees, 
and put together a new asset allocation. Stronghold's patented system accomplishes this in just 5 minutes, and it's completely free. Here is a bit more how it works, when you visit the website the system will allow you to link all of your accounts, even your 401k and accounts you have scattered at multiple firms. It will then analyze every holding you own, every fee you are paying, every risk you are taking. It will give you a comprehensive analysis and a new asset allocation. It will also reveal some of the unique strategies we will review in Section 5 and compare them to your current approach. You can take this complimentary info and implement it on your own, and the company doesn't charge a dime. Or, if you decide to move forward, with the click of a button, you can transfer your accounts and have Stronghold manage your wealth, so long as you meet the minimum account size. For those who become clients, there is a team of fiduciary advisors that are available by phone to guide you in your journey and answer any questions you may have. There are no commissions, just a fee, which is based on your total portfolio value. So whether you have $2,500 or $25 million doesn't matter. Advice that was previously reserved for those of high net worth is now at your fingertips. And if you would prefer to work with someone in your local area, Stronghold has a network of independent advisors in all 50 states who are aligned with the same principles and have access to some of the unique solutions we will review in the pages ahead. I am extremely proud of what Elliot, Ajay, and I have worked together to create a complimentary service that can impact the entire population. And, quite frankly, it exists only because we were so frustrated by a system that often uses deceit and manipulation as weapons against investors. It's time for a changing of the guard. So while I am not currently an owner in Stronghold, at the time of publication we are in conversations about how I can become a partner and align further with its mission of serving investors with extraordinary advice and investment solutions. Finding a fid fiduciary. I don't want you to get the impression that Stronghold is the only fiduciary. There are thousands out there, and many of them are outstanding, so I would like to give you five key criteria for finding your own fiduciary. Below you will also find a link to the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, NAPFA. This will allow you to search the country for any fee-only advisor you choose. One caveat. Just because they are on the list doesn't mean they are skilled. Like any profession, be it a doctor or a teacher, there is a wide range of competency. In addition, in the world of independent fiduciaries, size does matter, so many smaller firms may not have the same level of access to certain investments and or competitive pricing. Directory of Fee-Based Advisors So, if you choose to find your own fiduciary, Below are five key initial criteria you may want to consider when selecting an advisor. 1. Make sure the advisor is registered with the state or the SEC as a registered investment advisor or as an investment advisor representative, IAR, of a registered investment advisor, RIA. 2. Make sure the registered investment advisor is compensated on a percentage of your assets under management, not for buying mutual funds. Make sure this fee is the only fee and is completely transparent. Be sure there are no 12B1 fees or pay-to-play fees being paid as compensation. 3. Make sure the registered investment advisor does not receive compensation for trading stocks or bonds. 4. Make sure the registered investment advisor does not have an affiliation with a broker-dealer. This is sometimes the worst offense when a fiduciary also sells products and gets investment commission as well. 5. 5. With an advisor, you don't want to just give them your money directly. You want to make sure that your money is held with a reputable third-party custodian, such as Fidelity, Schwab, or TD Ameritrade, which offers 24-7 online account access and sends the monthly statements directly to you. For those who are willing, have the time, and are brushed up on proper asset allocation, more on this in Section 4, investing on your own, without a fiduciary, may be a viable option, which could also result in additional cost savings. The added cost of a fiduciary may only be justifiable if they are adding value such as tax-efficient management, retirement income planning, and greater access to alternative investments beyond index funds. By Enron An extremely competent fiduciary in your life will do more than provide transparent advice and investment solutions.
They should protect you from the marketing noise because history shows us that the noise from a conflicted broker, or the firm he works for, can be extremely dangerous. Let me share an example from recent history. Remember Enron? The energy giant with $101 billion in annual revenue, in 2000, that decided to cook the books in hopes of keeping shareholders happy. The big brokers and the mutual funds that owned the majority of Enron shares were big fans of the energy giant. My dear friend and business mastermind, Keith Cunningham, is a straight shooter with a classic Texas drawl. When he speaks at my business mastery event, he pulls no punches when showing how brokers, with no vested interest in how their clients fare, will pour on bad advice even when the situation is dire. When he shared with me the breakdown of how brokers promoted Enron during its collapse, I was astonished. In March 2001, just nine months before declaring bankruptcy, Enron signaled that it was having trouble. Anyone who was willing to look at the cash flow statement could see that they were hemorrhaging cash in spite of what they said its profits were. Keith shouted to my audience of close to 1,000. But that didn't stop the big Wall Street firms from recommending the stock. Below is a chart showing the recommendations of the big brand firms in the nine months leading up to the Enron Chapter 11. Chapter 11. Notice how the recommendation to buy or hold was made until there was literally nothing left to hold because the stock had no value, the company was bankrupt. Needless to say, if you are getting advice from a broker, you can expect that the inherent conflicts will show up in one way or another. Lobbying for Profits Putting client interests first may seem like a simple concept, but it's causing an uproar on Wall Street. What's no? One for brokers? So why hasn't the status quo changed? Under Dodd-Frank, the SEC was required to conduct a study on a universal fiduciary standard across all investment firms. You heard me right. The politicians wanted to conduct a study to determine if acting in the client's best interest is a good idea. It's a tragic comedy played out on Capitol Hill. In my interview with Dr. Jeffrey Brown, I asked about his opinion on fiduciary standards. Who better to ask than the guy who not only advised the executive office of the president, but was also brought in by China to advise its social security program. I think anybody that is managing money for someone else it's very very important that they have a legal and an ethical responsibility for doing the right thing and looking out for other people's money. I mean, these are really people's lives we're talking about here at the end of the day, right? The industry backlash has been nothing less than intense. You can hear the gears of the lobbying machine spinning at full speed as it reminds Capitol Hill of the generous campaign contributions. The truth and the solution. So now that you know the rules of the game, what's an investor to do? Above you have the five steps of how to evaluate and find a fiduciary if you choose to find your own. As I mentioned, you can visit Stronghold, which has a patented online system which, in just five minutes, will provide you with the following. Within sec seconds, the system will pull in and review your current holdings, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, from all your accounts, including your 401k. The system will show how much you are really paying, and how much less you will have at retirement if you don't minimize fees. Remember the effect of compounding fees we reviewed in Chapter 2.3. The system will show your risk exposure. In other words, how well did your portfolio hold up in 2008 and other market downturns? The system will provide conflict-free advice and introduce you to a number of portfolio options. The system will take into account your current tax situation and recommend a more tax-efficient allocation. If you decide to move forward, you can quickly and automatically transfer your accounts to one of the recommended third-party custodians, such as TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, or Schwab. From there, the team will implement the recommendations and provide ongoing account management and service. If you have more than $1 million in investable assets, you will have access to the private wealth division, which has greater access to investments that are limited to accredited investors. At any time you can also pick up the phone and speak with a member of the team who is a registered fiduciary advisor to answer any questions regarding your personal situation. Or you can ask to be connected to one of the partners in your local area. So what's the plan? Wow, we have come a long way.
The myths we have already exposed at this point remain unknown by the vast majority of investors. In fact, even many high-net-worth individuals aren't privy to this insider info. And now that we are gaining an unobstructed view, we need to start to look at the actual strategies we are currently using to see if they align with our goals. Let's start with the 401k. That little piece of tax code that changed the financial world forever. Should we use it or lose it? Let's find out. Though the fiduciary issue is hotly contested among some groups, surveys conducted on behalf of the SEC showed a majority of investors don't understand what fiduciary mean means nor do they realize brokers and investment advisors offer different levels of care. Chapter 2.5 Myth 5, Your Retirement is Just a 401k Away Baby boomers have been the primary mice used in the great 401k retirement experiment. Doug Warren Many ideas or inventions start off with great intentions. Nuclear fusion opened the door to free energy for mankind and now can be used to provide electricity to an entire city. By contrast, if stuffed into a warhead, it can level an entire city. It is often with a dash of man's greed and ingenuity that we can turn something great into something that can cause more damage than good. Such is the 401k. A great little piece of tax code that, if used right, can power our retirement for years to come. But if used as it is in most of today's plans, it can damage our chances for financial freedom. And since the 401k is the only retirement account most people will ever have, this chapter could be the most important one in this book. In the pages ahead, we will show how to use the 401k system and not let the system use you. You will discover how to implement much of what we have learned thus far, so that your 401k becomes a great retirement plan for you not a retirement plan for the broker or the mutual fund managers. But first a bit of backstory is important. How did we get here? The 401k, given to us in 1984, gave us the opportunity to participate in the stock market. To own a piece of American capitalism. And we could save on our taxes by making tax-deductible contributions from our paychecks. But the 401k was never meant to be the sole retirement plan for Americans. I reached out to John Shovin, professor of economics at Stanford. He made it perfectly clear when we spoke by phone, Tony, you can't save just 3% of your income for 30 years and expect to live another 30 years in retirement with the same income you had when you were working. And let's not forget that this social experiment is only a few decades old. We are only now starting to see a generation where the majority will attempt to retire having used only a 401k during their lifetime. When we look back at history, what started out as a loophole for highly paid executives to sock away more cash became a boon for companies that decided to eliminate the cost and obligation of traditional pensions and shift all the risk and expense to the employee. That's not to say that pensions didn't have their own problems, for instance, you couldn't move them from job to job. Interestingly, employees didn't mind taking on this new responsibility because at the time, stocks were soaring. Who wants boring guaranteed pensions when stocks could make us rich? Money then flowed into the market like never before. All that new money being deposited means lots of buying, which is what fueled the bull markets of the 80s and 90s. With trillions up for grabs, mutual fund companies began an unprecedented war to manage your money. The stock market was no longer just a place where companies turned to the public to exchange cash for ownership. It was no longer a place for only high-net-worth investors and sophisticated institutions. It became every man's savings vehicle. Welcome, Captain. When the 401k came to be, it represented freedom. Freedom that often gave us the illusion of control. And with markets on the rise, we sometimes mistake luck for being a good investor. Dr. Alicia Munnell, the director of the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, is one of the top retirement experts in the country. We spoke for nearly two hours regarding the retirement crises facing the vast majority of Americans. In her view, we went from a system of defined benefits where people had a pension, they had an income for life to the idea of the 401k which was obviously cheaper for employers. And on the surface, it seemed like it was beneficial to individuals 
because they had more control of their own investment decisions. But even Alicia, a former employee of the Federal Reserve and member of the President's Council of Economic Advisors, made some serious missteps when it came to her own retirement. So, I have a defined benefit plan, guaranteed lifetime income, from the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. When I was at the Treasury, one of my colleagues said, Oh. Take it early. You can invest that money much better than the Federal Reserve can. That money is long gone. Being solely responsible for your investment decisions is a scary thought for most, especially before reading this book. As captain of your financial ship, you must navigate all the available investment choices, generate returns sufficient enough to support your retirement, be a part-time investment expert, and do it all while holding down a full-time job or business and raising a family. Teresa Gallarducci of the New School for Social Research authored a brilliant article in the New York Times titled Our Ridiculous Approach to Retirement. In it she managed to pack all the challenges we face into a single paragraph, not yet convinced that failure is baked into the voluntary, self-directed, commercially run retirement plan system. Consider what would have to happen for it to work for you. First, figure out when you and your spouse will be laid off or be too sick to work. Second, figure out when you will die. Third, understand that you need to save 7% of every dollar you earn. Didn't start doing that when you were 25 and you are 55 now? Just save 30% of every dollar. Fourth, earn at least 3% above inflation on your investments every year. Easy. Just find the best funds for the lowest price and have them optimally allocated. Fifth, do not withdraw any funds when you lose your job, have a health problem, get divorced, buy a house, or send a kid to college. Sixth, time your retirement account withdrawals so the last cent is spent the day you die. Yes, the system needs to be fixed and yes, it will take time and some major progress on both Capitol Hill and Wall Street. But the good news is that for those of you who are informed, you will be able to navigate it. You can use the system as an insider would, and let it work to your advantage. Come again? So let's do a little recap. We now know that actively managed stock-picking mutual funds don't beat the market. And this is exactly what you find in the vast majority of 401k plans, but not all. We also know that these expensive funds charge hefty fees, which can erode 50% to 70% of our potential retirement nest egg. Depending on your age today, think of how much you have already left on the table to this point. Is it $10,000? $25,000? $100,000? Scary, huh? Now, stick those expensive mutual funds inside a name-brand 401k plan, usually offered by a payroll or insurance company, and it will charge you a whole host of additional costs. See box on following page. The sum of all these costs forms an insurmountable headwind. With the vast majority of plans out there, the odds of you winning the 401k game are slim to none. 401k plans receive the benefit of tax deferral, but most are loaded with up to 17 different fees and costs between the underlying investments and the plan administration. Communication expenses. Enrollment materials. Ongoing materials. Enrollment meetings. Investment advice. Record-keeping and administrative expenses. Base fee. Per-participant fee. Per-eligible employee fee. Distributions. Loans origination. Loans maintenance. Semi-annual discrimination testing. 5,500 filing package. Other expenses. Investment expenses. Base fee individual, mutual, fund expenses. Manager slash advisor fee. Other asset fees, revenue sharing, wrap, administration, and so on. Trustee expenses. Base fee. Per participant fee. Asset char charge. But now the good news. With the right 401k, one that is lean, mean, and doesn't take your green, you can turn the headwind into a tailwind. You can gain momentum by taking advantage of what the government gave us.
America's best 401k? Okay, prove it. Once I truly grasped what Jack Bogle calls the tyranny of compounding costs, and realized the destructive power of excessive fees, I immediately called the head of my human resources department to find out the specifics of our own company 401k plan. I wanted to know if my employees, who I care about like my own family, were being taken to the cleaners. Sure enough, we were using a high-cost name-brand plan loaded with expensive funds and excessive administration and broker fees. The broker assured me that the plan was top-notch, lean on fees and right on track. Sure it was. Right on track to make his BMW lease payment. Convinced that there had to be a better plan out there, my team and I began to do some research. After a frustrating process of looking at a bunch of garbage plans, a good friend of mine referred me to a firm called America's Best 401k. That's a bold name. I called the owner, Tom's Gainer, and said, prove it. In the first five minutes of meeting Tom in person, it's obvious he has immense passion about helping people get free from crappy, fee-loaded 401k plans. He calls the 401k industry the largest dark pool of assets where nobody really knows how or whose hands are getting greased. A pretty grim diagnosis of his own industry. Get this, Tony, the industry has been around for three decades now, and only in 2012 did service providers become required by law to disclose fees on statements. But in spite of the disclosure, over half of all employees still don't know how much they're paying. In fact, 67% of people enrolled in 401ks think there are no fees, and of course, nothing could be further from the truth. How are you different, Tom? Tom. How is America's best truly the best, as you say? Having been burned once, I felt like Papa Bear looking after his cubs because I knew this decision would directly impact my employees and their kids. They had already been paying excessive fees for years, and I couldn't allow that to happen again. I came to find out that, as the owner of the company, I am also the plan sponsor, and I discovered it is my legal duty to make sure they aren't getting taken advantage of. More in the pages ahead. Tom explained, Tony, America's best 401k only allows extremely low-cost index funds, such as Vanguard and Dimensional Funds, and we don't get paid a dime by mutual funds to sell their products. I had just interviewed Jack Bogle, and he confirmed that Vanguard does not participate in paying to play, a common practice where mutual funds share in their revenues to get shelf space in a 401k plan. By the way, what this means to you is that the so-called choices on your 401k plan are not the best available choices. They are the ones that pay the most to be offered up on the menu of available funds. And guess how they recoup their cost to be on the list? High fees, of course. So not only are you failing to get the best performing funds, but also you are typically paying higher fees for inferior performance. Okay, Tom. What about the other planned fees? I want to see full disclosure and transparency on every single possible fee. Tom proudly produced an itemized spreadsheet and handed it across the coffee table. The total cost, including the investment options, investment management services, and record-keeping fees, is only 0.75% annually. That's it? No hidden fees or other pop-up out-of-nowhere fees. We cut our total fees from well over 2.5% to just 0.75%, a 70% reduction. As you recall from earlier in Chapter 2, when compounded over time, these fee savings equate to hundreds of thousands of dollars even millions that will end up in the hands of my employees and their families. That makes me feel so great. Below is a simple chart showing a sample 401k, similar to the one my company used to use, versus America's best 401k, and how those savings compound directly into my employees' accounts. Assumptions, $1 million beginning plan balance, $100,000 in annual contributions, 5% growth rate. Over $1.2 million going back to my family and my staff by making a simple switch. And by the way, this calculation is based only on fees and doesn't take into account that we are beating 96% of mutual fund managers because we are using low-cost market mimicking mutual funds. Megaphone. Megaphone.
My staff and I were so impressed that six months after Tom and his team installed my company's plan, and after I had referred him to a ton of my good friends, I decided to partner with America's Best 401k and help it get the word out. I knew this story had to be told in this book. And because the company charges so little, it can't afford to run Super Bowl ads or have its sales reps take you golfing. Tom's grassroots efforts are gaining momentum, and I hope to amplify his voice. Now it's time to pull back the curtain. Tom and his team have built a powerful online fee checker that can pull up your company's plan from the company's tax return filing, and within seconds, it will show how your company's plan stacks up against others 